Hello, welcome to this Thursday night episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. This 18th day of June as we are now in the second half of the month, this much closer now to the 4th of July. And also looking forward to another weekend. It just blows my mind how these weeks just fly by. Um, we're into day whatever now of this pandemic. And yeah, I hope you all are doing uh, well. You guys are safe. And everything's good. I really always appreciate you guys taking 20, 25 minutes out of your day to listen to me ramble about this hockey team or whatever else I have to ramble about. Um, today on the show, we'll have um, my NHL award ballots. Um, this this would be this would be my ballot if I had a vote on the PHWA chapter. Of course, I do not. I'm hope to, I hope so that someday I can get one. But um, I think I'll just I'll just release who my finalists would be. Um, you guys might be surprised who I have winning the heart. Um, I'm definitely not putting two Edmonton Oilers, though, in there. I saw Gord Miller had that um, in today in his battle. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it. But, um, yeah, his his battle was definitely a little bit interesting. There's been some interesting ballots out there. Uh, we'll talk about Elliot Friedman's uh, ballot. I kind of was just looking at a bunch of a bunch of those ballots, you know, just seeing how my ballot stacks up. Um, but, you know, I, I mostly just looked at, you know, how much they meant to their team, the numbers they produced, um, all that good stuff. And, you know, there was, there was definitely some tough decisions. So, you know, we'll have the Calder, the Hart, the Selkie, the Norris, and the Lady Bing Trophy. But, as always, this show is brought to you by... Oh, wow. Well, today it's actually different. It is not brought to you by Built Bar today. It is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection. Reliably, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Yeah, I have not said that one uh, too many times this last month. It's just all been Built Bar, so I've had that stuck in my head. I, I absolutely forgot that today's brought to you by rock auto so you know that's the big idiot day for me so i guess um there's not a lot not a lot that has happened today in pittsburgh penguins history we can also just look at stuff that happened for pittsburgh hockey history made today on june 18th um doug bodger was born today on 1966 happy birthday to him on this day in 1994 the pittsburgh phantoms so a different team they won a 10-9 shootout over the atlanta fire ants um in front of a 7347 crowd in their first game at Mellon Arena. I had no idea the Pittsburgh Phantoms were a thing. Um, on this day in 1952, Pittsburgh Penguins goaltender Der- Dennis Heron was born today. So happy birthday, Dennis Heron. I called him Heron like a fool. Dennis Heron's birthday was today, so happy birthday. And on this day in 1906, Pittsburgh Hornets right winger Joe Lamb was born. So that is all that happened on this day in Penguins history. You know, that we should be in the offseason, so... Uh, yeah, so not not too much, but still some interesting stuff that happened today in uh, Pittsburgh hockey history and Pittsburgh Penguins history. So, but let's get to my NHL awards ballot. So, like I said, yes, these would be um, if I had a PHWA ballot. So let's just get on into it. So my my winner of the Hart Trophy this year for me personally is Artemi Panarin. Um, he is exactly what the Rangers needed at exactly the right time. You know, they were going through a little bit of a retool or a, kind of I guess a rebuild on the fly. He absolutely tore up the league on the Rangers this season. There was always questions with him when he left Chicago, went to Columbus, you know. Oh, yeah, you know, can he be the breakout player that everyone uh, is expecting him to be? How can he produce without Patrick Kane? Because we all know how Patrick Kane is one of the top five best um, players, I think, in the league. But, you know, all those questions coming in, you know, how can he be on his own line? You know, can he produce? I mean, he answered those questions pretty quick in Columbus, and then he answered them even better this year with the New York Rangers, easily the most valuable valuable player 
to his team. He has the points, the production to prove it. I mean, 32 goals, 95 points in 69 games. This guy was easily going to be over a 100-point um, player this season. And yeah, I mean, he, he, get, he gets it for me. I mean, I, I don't think a lot of people expected the Rangers to be anywhere near playoff contention this season. I think even the most optimistic Rangers fan was probably thinking next year is going to be their big year. But, you know... They were able to make it this year thanks to the 2014 playoff format. Hell, I think if this pandemic didn't happen and we had a regular 16-team playoff, I think the Rangers were, they had a very good shot, I think, to get in. The Islanders were not playing well towards the later stages of the season. Columbus was, they were treading water a little bit. I think the Rangers could have made a big push to get that last wild card spot. Would, it, would they have gone up against Boston and probably lose? Yes, that's most likely because Boston is just so damn good. But... The way Artemi Panarin played, like I said, he was going to be a 100-point player, um, almost a 40-goal scorer, too, with the, um, that with them. He's everything the Rangers uh, needed and more. He is their franchise player, and he's going to continue to produce for them throughout that whole contract. That, that contract, I think, is going to be a steal for the Rangers, in my opinion. I know he gets paid a lot of money with his high salary cap, but he is worth it and so much more. Um, I think he definitely earned the Hart Trophy this season. Um, at number two... Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Nathan McKinnon, you know, 35 goals, <clears throat> 58 assists, um, the way Colorado was able to play this year. We all know how good Nathan McKinnon is anyway. He's also on a steal of a contract. I don't even think Nathan McKinnon makes seven to eight million per year. I think it's like 6.5 or something like that. I'm going to have to double check, but I, I don't think he makes seven to eight million per season. I remember when that, um, his agent negotiated for him and people were like, wait, what? He gets paid that to, to score 100 points, it's pretty crazy. You know, the, the Avalanche were also making a push for you to be the number one seed. McKinnon was just a monster this season. Oh, he also had Nico Ranton was out for a while. Um, so he had to do that without one of his best players on his line. He, I think, yeah, he usually plays with him on his line. Nathan McKinnon, I think, is one of the top three best players in the league. I think if you're ranking um, the top three players in this league, it goes Crosby, McDavid, McKinnon. And I have no problem saying that. Um, Nathan McKinnon has turned into a superstar. His career did not always start out like that. He was never a 100-point player to start. He was kind of scoring in the 50- to 60-point range. And then all of a sudden, just a couple a couple seasons ago, he just shot out of a cannon and just became the superstar that a lot of people pegged him to be. I remember people were calling him a bust just a couple seasons into his career. And it was like, okay, chill out. You know, he's, he's still really young. I he He's been a monster these last few seasons. And he definitely... Um, deserves to be a hard trophy finalist if he wins i don't think anyone is going to bat an eye i think he is more than deserving but for me speaking i don't think um he had a better season than panarin i don't think he was worth more to his team than panarin was this season um coming up at number three my my last finalist is Connor mcdavid um, i know people were probably going to be weird that i did not put leon dreisaitl on here considering how good dreisaitl was this season but um, McDavid was also really freaking good too. 34 goals, 63 assists in 64 games. Um, arguably the best player in the world. Um, of course he's the most valuable player on the, on the Oilers. It's crazy that Dreisaitl has really come into his own too. And, and honestly, if you want to flip flop Dreisaitl for McDavid on this Hart Trophy ballot list, I don't think anyone would bat an eye to you, but it's stuff like Gord Miller did. I think he put both Dreisaitl and McDavid in there and it's like, no, I, that just discredits what both Panarin and McKinnon did for their respective teams, and I think both of them need to be on there for what they did. And then you can just put one of Dreisaitl or McDavid on there, considering they were both absolutely outstanding. I'm going um, McDavid just because 
when he's on, you know, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Like I said, he's arguably the best player in the world with Sidney Crosby. You can make an argument for him. You can make an argument for Sidney Crosby. I, I, I would listen to either one, to be honest with you. But, you know, that's my Hart Trophy ballot. Those are the players that I think are most deserving of the Hart Trophy. I think if either one of those three win, I don't think anyone would bat an eye to that. I mean, I think people would also potentially put Connor Hellebuck on their on the ballot. You know, he had an absolutely monster season. I think his save percentage was absolutely through the roof. I need to double check what his save percentage actually was real quick because I know he did save the Winnipeg Jets season. Yeah, 920, um, actually, uh, 922. That's 922 for his career, but I mean, also he also was 922 this season, 2.57 goals against average. Also had six shutouts this year. That ties a, a career high for him. Yeah, would not be surprised if he's on a lot of people's ballots. His goaltending towards the end of the season was absolutely spectacular. He definitely deserved. I think he would come forth um, on my ballot if I if I had one. So, moving on, we have now the Norris Trophy. Um, my winner, um, is John Carlson. Um, he, he had like a one, one, his points per game was over one. Um, I know he plays a lot on the power play, um, but he also plays a bunch on the penalty kill. He's good at even strength. He has a booming shot. Um, he put up the points, um, to get the Norris. Um, I know, you know, people make the joke, oh my God, you know, Carlson should have his, um, Norris trophy, uh, taken away from him because of what Evgeny Malkin did to him. And if you guys don't remember that, um, please look it up. Uh, Evgeny Malkin, it was during that next game against Washington when they lost to them in D.C. Evgeny Malkin just put a move on John Carlson. He basically ate his lunch <laughs> on the ice, and he burned him bad. Then I think I think that was a game where Braden Holpe started. He beat Holpe, which tied the game. And then, of course, the Penguins, I think, got scored on just a few minutes later to lose the game. But, yes, please look up that goal if you guys do not remember seeing it. Evgeny Malkin literally ate his lunch and um everyone's just saying you know yep john carlson should have the norris taken away but no in all seriousness john carlson was absolutely outstanding this season you know 15 goals 75 points you know he was on pace to get well be over a point per game defense you know he had 79 uh, 79 75 points in 69 games very nice by the way so john carlson gets the norris in my ballot um Number two, Roman Yossi. We all know how good Roman Yossi is, the number one defenseman on the Predators. He was absolutely outstanding. He was doing everything in his power to get the Predators into the playoffs again this season. The Predators were really, really struggling uh, this season for a lot of times. I know Pecorino was not at the level that he usually was. I mean, UC Soros was not bad, but still, you know, they had to make the coaching change, of course, with Peter Laviolette getting canned, but... Um, yeah, the Predators, for some reason this season, they were just not doing that well. I mean, I know they lost in the first round last year to the Dallas Stars, but yeah, things were trending a bit downward for a lot of this season, but still, Roman Yossi, I thought, was just absolutely outstanding. And then third on my ballot, um, Alex Petrangelo. Um, we all know how good Alex Petrangelo is. Coming off that remarkable Stanley Cup run with the St. Louis Blues. I still can't believe the Blues won that Stanley Cup. It just it boggles my mind. How they were able to beat Boston in seven games, but also the way they were playing before the new year. To just go on a tear, kind of like how the Penguins did, and just kick everyone's ass was just awesome. But yeah, Alex Petrangelo would be number three on my ballot. So, John Carlson, Roman Yossi, Alex Petrangelo for my Norris ballot. For the Calder, I mean, everyone knows who my top two, the top two are. Um, I'm going to give it to Kel McCarr. Um, it, it, it's between, of course, him and Quinn Hughes. King Quinn Hughes will be second on my ballot. But, you know, 50 points in 57 games for Kel McCarr. His, his possession numbers, 53% for Corsi Fenwick percentage, just absolutely outstanding through the roof. Um, Kel McCarr is going to be a star 
in this league. He already got, basically is a number one defenseman. He, I think, deserves the Calder Trophy. I remember when he got called up for the playoffs, I think it was last year, and my buddy Marcus uh, texted me. He was like, they finally, the Avalanche recalled this kid. I'm like, who are you talking about? He goes, you don't know who Cal McCarr is? I'm like, no, should I? He goes, oh, yeah, you're, you're going to hear about him next year. Well, Sure enough, yeah, he's gonna. Win. I think he should win the Calder Trophy. He was absolutely spectacular. Quinn Hughes, like I said, comes in at number two. Honestly, you can give either one of them the Calder. Hell, give both of them the Calder. Quinn Hughes was absolutely outstanding as well. Fifty-three points in sixty-eight games. His possession numbers, um, yeah, I mean his possession numbers: fifty-two, fifty-three percent, absolutely outstanding. And yeah, all of his underlying numbers are just through through the roof. And yeah, even even without the pandemic, the, I think the Canucks were going to be a playoff team. They're going to get their chance to get into the 16-team playoff if everything keeps going well with uh, with the numbers and if the league can come to an agreement for Phase 3 and Phase 4. Um, like I said, you can give either one of those two to Calder Trophy. I don't think anyone would bat an eye. It's coming up with a third spot that's pretty damn difficult. You know, you have Dominic Kubelik of Chicago, Victor Olafson of uh, Buffalo, Adam Vox of New York. John Marino, you know, Ilya Samsonov, Nick Suzuki. Um, number three for me is going to be, drum roll please, uh, Dominic Kubelik. You know, he was a 30-goal scorer in his first season with Chicago, also had 16 assists, so 46-point campaign in 68 games. Um, the Chicago always just finds these players that they can just turn into 30-goal scorers. It's absolutely crazy how they've done this so many times. Um, originally, I was going to put John Marino on this ballot. Um, I think if I had five players for the Calder, he would be at my number four, number five spot. So of course, you know, that injury just kind of screwed him, man. That that three week injury. I mean, everyone knows he doesn't have the offensive numbers, um, that Quinn Hughes and Kel McCarr have, but his defensive metrics, his underlying numbers are just absolutely insane. Um, he, he defends as well as any young defenseman in this league. He shuts down teams when they come into the zone, his pairing with uh, Marcus Pedersen was absolutely awesome with the Penguins and, and how they were just able to shut down any player that just came into the zone, like I just said. And just his puck-moving ability is just... Uh, I, I can't wait to see how he develops. I think he's going to be a star in this league. But same goes for Kubelik, you know, 30-goal season. I mean, that just can't go ignored. It was hard to, I guess, decide between him and Olafson and Adam Fox. Adam Fox was a stud for the Rangers this season. You know, he had a 42 point campaign in 70 games. He's going to be also a star like Marino is going to be. They got him from the hurricanes. I think it was for a draft pick. I almost wondering if it's a second round pick. I'm not sure. Olafson, you know, it was, it was close, but you know, it's just the Buffalo Sabres are just so freaking bad. So that's why I really didn't um, do that. So the Selkie trophy, I mean, Number one, I have Patrice Bergeron. I mean, you know, it's the it basically you can just rename it the Patrice Bergeron Award, just because of how awesome he is um, as a two way player. You know, he always wins this trophy. He absolutely deserves it. He's not only a great player in the offensive zone, but um, his defending is just through the roof as well. Uh, number two, Sean Couturier. We all know how good Sean Couturier is defensively. He's been a finalist for this award before. Though he's never won it, but I do think he he does have a really good chance to potentially win it this year. But I think um, Bergeron is ultimately going to get it. And then number three, um, Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, he's just he's absolutely outstanding in his own zone. You know, fifty-one point campaign with the Blues in seventy-one games. He's always just been so underrated throughout his career. You know, I remember 
I'm going to dump on Buffalo again, but what a horrid trade that they uh, had with the Blues and the return they got was just absolutely atrocious. So um, real quickly, though, because I know this has been dragging on um, for far too long, the Lady Bing Trophy, um, I'm going to give it to Alex Petrangelo, and then number two is going to be Jacob Slavin, and then uh, number three, um, Miro Heiskanen. Uh, I know that's going to be a bit different for some people, but that is my... Uh, award ballot for this year. If I had a vote, I wish I did. Of course, we don't get to vote on the Vezina because that is voted by uh, the general managers, which, you know, I've always, I've always hated that. But all right. So it's time to talk about rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselves. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You can go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and then you can write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. That's rockauto.com. All right, so we're back here for this episode of Locked On Penguins. We'll probably just do quick, uh, just a quick two more segments before we'll call it an episode. Pierre Lebrun had a big update today for The Athletic where basically, you know, they were talking about how um, the Player Association Executive Board has had calls about, you know, what's going to happen with the Phase 3. Um, there's a lot of health concerns, apparently, according to Pierre. Um, there's a group of players that have been vocal about their reluctance to come back and play until they get more better answers to their questions. Um, then that could change their mind. So, you know, there's, I, I know that's happening in the NBA as well. I think Kyrie Irving has been leading calls where, where players are kind of reluctant to come back and play because the NBA of course is going down to Disney world for their central location. I also think they're going to be wearing like a, like a ring or something like that. If I can tell them like their test or something like that, I have to check, double check that to make sure. Um, Pierre also said that it's his understanding that the player association, they intend to negotiate, um, agreement stuff that protects the players who feel unco- uncomfortable with playing this summer. Basically the idea that they could opt out if they choose. So um, that's going to be interesting to see moving forward if some players do decide to opt out. Um, my my prediction, I, I think you might see a couple that do decide to opt out, but I don't think it's going to be a relatively big number. I think a lot of players definitely do want to play, but of course, you know, they want to make sure it's safe. Um, I, did, I did find this very interesting from... Um, Elliot Freeman's 31 thoughts today where he posted this. Um, I think it was talking about how the, um, the NBA players association exec, uh, executive director, Michelle Roberts told um, the Boston globe. It isn't a matter of if a player will test positive in the bubble, but when apparently the full quote was, that's only the realistic mindset you can have really going into this. It's not any more of this. If it's when and what I can do to meditate against the when. So uh, I would not be surprised if the NHL came out with something like that. Um, I, th- I agree. You know, I think it's a matter of, not if, but when an, an, another NHL player tests positive. We already have, of course, had someone from the Penguins who tested positive. We've had players, I think, from the Senators test positive. I think just this week we had some players from the University of Texas football program that tested positive for the coronavirus. So, yeah, I mean, they. I mean, even though they are more likely than not to start back up, you are going to see, I think, more than one player um, test positive for COVID-19. I would be stunned if um, that did not happen. Um, another interesting thing that came from, and we'll go back to Pierre Lebrun's article here. The answer, they're getting closer to naming the hub cities, but this, this line in particular really, just really, really stumped me. I even tweeted about that. Um, if you guys saw it, um, whatever, but 
You know, while the cases in Nevada are spiking, a source suggested Thursday that Vegas remained a strong frontrunner to be a, a hub city. That I just I'm confused as to how that's a thing, considering that a lot of the numbers that I see online from actual reliable sources say that like the the numbers in Vegas are are going up. But I mean, I understand the NHL's position with I know Vegas offers a lot of amenities, you know, without having to leave the hotel. You know, there's plenty of um, stuff to do there. But um, it's just weird how that that is one of the big front runners when there's a spike in cases going on in that state. And in that city from everything that I read this week. So uh, we'll be curious to see. Apparently, Pierre also said that there could be two. Uh, the, the two hub cities could be in the West, but preferably they want to do one in the East and one in the West. But apparently he, this was interesting, too. So like he said, let's say it's Vegas and Toronto. Um, th- they would prefer um, Vegas to not play in Vegas. So they would send the Western teams to a, like Toronto and then the East teams to Vegas. And it's just like. That's just not necessary. I mean, like, what what home field advantage are they going to have? I mean, I, seriously, like, what home field advantage are they going to have without fans? Oh, so, you know, um, the board's better a little bit. Ooh, yeah, okay. I mean, I don't really see the big issue um, with Vegas playing on their home ring. Same same with Pittsburgh. I know Pittsburgh's numbers have been trending in the right direction for a while. Say if Pittsburgh gets one of the hub cities, are they really going to have to fly to like Vegas, Edmonton or whatever with the rest of the East teams to play in a different time zone? I mean, to me, um, in my opinion, I think that's just silly. So um, those are some of the, um, the updates from both of those articles that I wanted to share with you guys. But also, folks, please remember this. The Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in this month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. I will put that link in my Twitter and on the Locked On Penguins Twitter when I officially tweet out the episode so you guys can go to that. Also, for you guys, it is time to hear more about Built Bar. They are a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, 16 amazing flavors, 8 chocolate nut flavors, 8 chocolate nut-free flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Favorite flavor is still the peanut butter brownie, 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, 3 grams of net carbs. Um, we saw that offer. You can go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. All right, so we're back here for this very, very short last segment um, for the Locked On Penguins podcast. There's not uh, too much else that's happening in Penguin land. I mean, we all know that some of the players are starting to get back onto the ice. We saw um, Chris Letang get back. He's rocking a nice beard right now. You know, Chris Letang is just being a total badass because that's who Chris Letang is. Um, oh, we did see today the NHL and NBC. They had the uh, the face-off bracket champions as the uh, best um, the fran- like the starting players in franchise history. The Penguins were able to win that against the Edmonton Oilers because you know what other franchise can chart out Mario Lemieux, Yarmir Yager, Sidney Crosby, Chris Letang, Paul Coffey, and then the goalie Mark Andre Fleury of Kenny Malkin. Um, basically none. I know Edmonton had Gretzky and Messier and Grand Fury. Hell, they even tried to claim Paul Coffey, of course. And, um, that was just basically a wash, I would say. But, you know, Curie's on there. He's just absolutely awesome. But, you know, going up against Yarmir Yager, that's a, that's a no. Crosby's better than McDavid, I think, in my opinion. You're just looking at, like, the lineups right now. Lemieux, Gretzky, um, I take Mario Lemieux because I think he would have shattered his records if he had been healthy. Um, I, yeah, I think he had more talent than Gretzky. Gretzky just has all the records. Coffee, coffee, like I said, is a wash. And then Latang and Lowe, um, I'm taking Chris Latang. 
any day of the week. So the Pittsburgh Penguins were able to win the best starting lineup in franchise history. They won the poll. And of course, you know, you love to see people just get very, very mad online with this kind of stuff. Um, I also will say, um, if you guys have not been checking out The Athletic where, for Josh Yowie and Rob Rossi's um, uh, inside free agency stories, please do check it out. Josh's story today of the inside story of Yager Watch was just... Man, just I, really, those memories were just something else. I, I wasn't on Twitter at that time. I think I came a year later, but I remember just you know I would always wake up to like check the ESPN every morning and check my sports apps to see like oh my god like did we sign Yager? Did we sign Yager? And then when he went to the Flyers, of course, I was just really really pissed. But seeing seeing the quotes from Dan Bilesma and that story, we're, that was just that was just awesome. You know, it's a great story, Rob Rossi. Uh, I know his takes are sometimes a bit out there, but, you know, he really is one hell of a writer. I will give him that. And also, um, shout out to Rob Rossi for finally following me on Twitter.com. So, um, Rob, if you listen to this podcast, your story on uh, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin's contract situations um, was just awesome. He talked about, you know, how um, at the start, you know, Malkin wanted to be the same paid with Sidney Crosby, had kind of had the same cap hit, but then when their last contracts came up, um, you know, was not going to be as nice. Of course, the Penguins gave him the $9.5 million per deal. And I think his deal expires in just a couple of seasons. Well, Sidney Crosby, I think, has four to five years left. But um, one interesting thing I did read in that article that Rob said was that Gino would like to sign, I think, a three-year deal when his two-year deal, when his current contract that has two years left on it, I should say, is up to retire a Penguin. And, you know, Mario, he does not want um, to have a repeat of what happened with Yager, where Yager ended up leaving and being traded and then, you know, just went all to all the rivals and just went to all the teams. So, you know, he wants to keep Crosby and Malkin in Pittsburgh forever. I think that's ultimately going to happen unless Malkin just bolts to the KHL for one season before he officially retires. But still, I think we'll, they'll probably have another story on something free agency-wise coming tomorrow. Definitely check out those stories. Those were really fun. And, um, yeah, it's great seeing the team skating. Um, Jake Gensel looks like he's in full flight with his shot. Uh, Sidney Crosby of again, Malkin posted that picture on Instagram. Sidney Crosby's thighs. Oh my God. I mean, those things are, I know, I, I, I know it probably just sounds weird to say, but those things are just freaking humongous. I mean, good freaking Lord. You know, I guess that's just what happens when you're a professional athlete. Um, those, that's just, and they were wearing matching outfits too. And it's great to see them spending time together um, and all that stuff. And, you know, like I said, great seeing them on the ice and I'm sure more players are going to be trickling in as we get closer to a potential training camp, which would start on July 10th. So, I think that's all I have for you guys for today's episode of Locked on Penguins. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode to close out the week. So we will see you all then.